This sermon is titled Faith and Science Part 3 Origins of the Cosmos Be enriched as you listen We are currently doing a, a sermon series called Faith and Science We have uh, covered two sermons or two messages in this series on Sunday the 4th of September we uh, Gene George shared with us on uh, and uh, answering the question can science explain it all or can science answer everything and then last sunday we uh, september 11th we spoke about the six days of genesis we we looked at what the bible has to say about the origin of life and origin of everything so the six days of genesis now you know uh, today there will be uh, or we're going to spend a little bit of time uh covering some scientific information and uh, we will be doing that again maybe next sun next sunday when we talk about creator god on the evidence of god and again the last sermon in this series which is on the 2nd of october we will also be covering some scientific information science information now some of you will like it Uh, some of you say oh no why am i coming to church and listening to science so uh i don't know where you would fit in but in case you do not appreciate uh science information pardon us for these few sundays right we, we are intentionally we are talking about faith and science and so we will be covering a little bit of science information so pardon us if you uh, you know you don't connect to, to that part of the service but of course we will be spending time in the word of god and we will be coming back to that and and sharing from the word you see all of us have these big questions of life questions about our origin where did we come from question about our identity who am i question about purpose why am i here question about morality how am i supposed to live and questions about destiny where am i going where do i go from here these are the big questions of life all of us have those questions and so when answering the questions about origin where did we come from the bible gives us a beautiful very powerful very majestic description in genesis chapters 1 and 2 which we saw last sunday and how it unfolds to us how god created everything but now as humans as people we have tried to think when i say we i'm just talking about people in general and the scientific community but in particular uh, we've tried to come up with our answers about the origin of life they've tried to and so one of those areas is the area of cosmology which is trying to understand how did this universe come into existence how did it all come into existence cosmology and so what i'm going to do now is just to uh talk a little bit about one of those theories or hypotheses about how the universe came into existence from a sign what the scientific community presents to us i'm going to talk about that now and then we will talk about a bibli- uh, uh, you know what are the gaps in that 
hypothesis, and what does the Bible say in response to that? Now, I just want to share with you, you know, last Sunday I was so encouraged when one young man came to me right after service. He said, you know, I had departed from the Christian faith because of his learning in science, but he said, in the last 10 days I've come back. You know, there was another young man who came right after service. He said, thank you so much for what was shared today. I'm, I'm now back in the church. I'm back in the church, you know. So these, these messages on faith and science helps some group of people. may not be helping everybody, but it's helping some group of people who are having these questions, and then, you know, they're able to understand truth and be established in their faith and come back to their strong faith in God and in the Word of God and in Christ Jesus. So uh, I was very encouraged when I heard those two testimonies. The young men came and shared that directly with me, and so I was very encouraged. So cosmology. Back in time, these were the ancient ideas, the initial thought, the ancient ideas in time especially when you look at the Greek philosophers, Plato and then Aristotle in about 300, 400 BC, around those, those, that time. And since that time, for many centuries, people thought that the universe was infinite. It just existed. It was always there. And that was the common thought. So don't ask how it began because there was no beginning. It just always existed. That was the thought in ancient days for many, many centuries. And then along came these uh, uh, idea or the, 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 uh, the discoveries in physics about the conservation of energy, that energy is neither created nor destroyed. So it's always there. It just remains. Or when you talk about chemistry, that the matter does not change. It's not created nor destroyed. It's always there. Or in Newtonian physics, you've got the, uh, the, the coordinates for uh, for time for distance and for space. It just extends from infinity to infinity. So it's always there. So these understanding in science just left the, the whole notion or the idea that the universe always existed, was in a steady state, and there was no beginning, and there will be no end. It just remains. But however, in around 1915, when Einstein came out with this general theory of relativity, he began to see how time and space should have had a beginning. Actually, when Einstein came up with this, initially he was shocked himself because it was going against the popular understanding in science. And he actually introduced what was known as a cosmological constant, which he himself said was his biggest blunder in his research. At that time, he introduced that just to say that, no, 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 everything was in a steady state. But actually, he was initially coming to this conclusion that everything had to have had a beginning. And then later on, in around 1920, actually more specifically around 1927, there was a Russian mathematician, Alexander Friedman, and also a Belgian physicist, who was also a Catholic priest. In 1927, George Lemar, he proposed this idea that the universe had a beginning back in time, way back in time. It started out in a single point in time. 
and then stretched and became as big as we knew it today. Subsequent to that, in 1929, when astronomer Edwin Hubble was looking out there into the, uh, into the space, and he was working out of his, um, uh, the, the Mount Wilson Laboratory in Pasadena, California, he was looking out there, and he saw galaxies moving away. And so he came to this conclusion, if galaxies are moving away, then back in time, they should all have been together somewhere, some, some point. And so uh, these were the initial change in thought that was being made on the origin of this universe. But yet it was not immediately accepted by the scientific community. It took a while, and it was only until 1980 or so, in the 80s, that the scientific community began to embrace the idea that the universe had a beginning. And along with that came this whole theory that there was this big bang that brought about everything into existence. So remember, Big Bang is only a theory. There are other theories on how the universe came into existence. It was a hypothesis, and it still remains a theory and a hypothesis, but sadly there are so many people who've just accepted it as truth. And that's one of our objectives today, is to open our understanding to say that this theory has big gaps. Many unanswered questions and many probabilities that, that can only point to the fact that there has to be intelligence and there had to be uh, intelligence in design. But let's talk a little bit about this Big Bang theory, which scientists came up with to propose that the universe had this kind of a beginning. So remember once again, and I'm re-emphasizing this, that the theory, the Big Bang theory, or the hypothesis, is not an observable, scientific, reproducible exp uh, event in lab. It's, it's not something they can actually do. It's a hypothesis. It's, it's, this is how we think things could have happened. So back in about 13.8 billion years ago, there was a point known as singularity. That means at that point, there was no space and no time. There was matter in intensely high density and high temperature. That's known as singularity. And that's how they say everything started, with this point of singularity. But there was no space, no time, but matter was intensely dense and intense temperatures. And in a fraction of a second, you know, they call it the Planck time, which is 10 raised to minus 43. In that minute fraction of a second, there was a great explosion. And matter and energy exploded and gave rise to a sequence of events, which we will mention shortly, which eventually gave rise to the universe. So basically, in that fraction of a second, 10 raised to minus 20, 43, in a fraction of a second, everything expanded to 10 to the power of 78. That means it just went big in that fraction of a second. And that's often referred to as cosmic inflation. If you see the diagram, I'm not sure if it, it's up on the screen, but you could see the cosmic inflation. 
the, uh, I think you need to go back to before dark energy. All right, the next image. Yeah, okay. Oh. All right, the image is a little small there. Okay. But what happened? There was temperatures in the range of billions of degrees, about 5.5 billion degrees Celsius. And in that first, within that fraction of a second, the universe just inflated. It's referred to as cosmic inflation. And then suddenly cooled. It reached kind of a, a state where it just remained that way. And then things happened. So what, ha what, what, what were the sequence of events? We first have the formation of subatomic particles like electrons, protons, and neutrons, which then later came together to form atoms. So there was this period of dark ages, meaning there was no light there yet, because all these subatomic particles and then eventually atoms had to be formed. And then, so that's called the dark ages, if you can see that diagram there clearly. And then after about 400 million years, these atoms came together originally, uh, hydrogen, helium, and little traces of lithium came together to form the first stars about 400 million years later, after that point of singularity, inflation, and the formation of the subatomic particles, forming atoms later, then forming stars. There were the initial stars about 400 million years for, um, after that initial point in time. These stars are often referred to as population three stars. And then in these stars, bigger, heavier atoms or elements were created, which gave rise to secondary, uh, more stars, bigger stars, uh, which formed into galaxies. And then later on, over many, many billions of years, we have asteroids and comets and planets coming into formation. What is also very interesting is this whole idea about dark energy and dark matter. Just a few more minutes and we'll, we'll, we'll bring this to the science side to a close. The dark energy and the dark matter. So what was observed around 1998 was, again, through the Hubble Space Telescope, was the universe cont is continuing to expand. And we don't know why. What is causing it? And so that energy that's causing this universe to expand, they just call it dark energy. And then there is dark matter. We don't know what is there way beyond in, in, in outer space. We don't know what is there. And that's just referred to as dark matter. So there's dark energy that's causing this universe to keep on expanding. And then there is dark matter way out there. What is interesting is 95% of our universe is made up of this. Dark matter makes about 27% and dark energy about 68%. That means 95% of our universe is unknown to us. Are you with me so far? We still don't know. What is it there? There's energy, there's matter, and it's causing this universe to go on. So that's in a very brief, concise way this theory or this hypothesis of the Big Bang and how everything came into 
existence. Now, there are other theories on the origin of the universe. There is what is known as eternal inflation proposed by other physicists and scientists. There's also the oscillating universe theory. So Big Bang Theory is not the only one. There are other theories out there where people are proposed to say this is how the universe may have come into existence. Now, what we are addressing, the reason we are focusing on the Big Bang is that's something many people just embrace without even thinking through on what are the problems with it. So let's talk a little bit about the problems with the Big Bang Theory. But first of all, there is this basic problem that there is no physics, there is no knowledge of physics that can explain the point of singularity. The very beginning when we say, or when physicists say, or scientists say, that there was no space and time, but there was infinitely dense matter with infinitely high temperature, there was no space and time, that point of singularity, there is no physics to explain that part. What is that? How did that suddenly expand? How did that suddenly inflate? There is no physics to it. So we have a problem with our own scientific understanding, this point of singularity. There's also what we would refer to as a starting point problem. So we are assuming with this point of singularity that infinitely dense matter and infinitely uh, infinite energy was already there. And from there came space, time, matter, and uh, energy. From that point of singularity, so the big question is, where did that infinitely dense matter and all that energy or temperature, where did it come from? We're making a presupposition. It was already there, but where did it come from? So a starting point problem. Another related starting point problem would be the existence of fundamental forces. So we understand there's a force of gravity. There is electromagnetic force, which one expression of it is light. And then there are nuclear forces which keep atoms together, the nuclei and the atom together. And, uh, and so where did these forces come from? How did it come into existence? And how did these forces know exactly where to go and how to behave? Starting point problem. Another very interesting thing is that the explosive force of the Big Bang had to be exactly, precisely matched to the force of gravity that came into existence. Otherwise, if there was any difference in the explosive force of the Big Bang and the force of gravity, if the explosive force was greater, all we would have was gas. If it was lesser than the force of gravity, everything would have just shrunk back to that initial point of singularity in a short period of time, a few million years. So the presupposition is that from the point of singularity when the Big Bang took place, all that force equally precisely matched the force of gravity so that everything could just be in place. Big presupposition. One scientist put it like this, that for this to happen, the probability is 1 in 10 raised to 55. Now keep in mind that in mathematics, 
any probability that requires more than 1 in 10 raised to 50 is automatically considered an impossibility. Are you with me? Yes or no? So anything more than 1 in 10 raised to 50 is impossible. And the probability that the explosive force of the Big Bang precisely matched the force of gravity, the probability of that one scientist said was 10 raised to 1 in 10 raised to 55. Another scientist put it like this. It's like you're trying to shoot a target that's one inch in size, which is on the other end of the universe. You're trying to shoot that. That's the probability that you could get it. And then there are design problems with this Big Bang Theory. First of all, how could a chaotic random explosion give, some, give rise to something that is so amazingly in order? How could that happen? And according to the second law of thermodynamics, Entropy or disorder is on the increase. That means everything goes into a higher state of disorder. That's the second law of thermodynamics. So what we are saying is the Big Bang contradicted our scientific law. We are saying that when something exploded, it gave rise to something so beautiful in order. So that's a design problem, a big design problem. And it's amazing when we look at the universe that there are so many constants, physical constants in our universe, in our world, that are so precise. We mentioned gravity and like that. There are many other uh, precise, fine-tuned constants in our universe. So... One physicist put it like this. He said, we can think of this universe as a finely sharpened pencil standing on its sharpened graphite end by itself. There's any, any change in any of these physical constants, the life, life would be impossible. That's how precise things are in our universe. Think about this, a very simple, I'm just mentioning two. Think about a, the carbon atom. And like this, you can think about all the atoms, but think about the carbon atom, so essential for life. And the energy levels in the carbon nucleus that keeps the protons and neutrons together are so precise that they actually stay together. Now think about it, protons, they're all same charge, they would actually repel. But there's enough force in them that keeps them there. We call these, you know, strong nuclear forces, they're inside the nucleus of the atom. Keep them there. And then we have all these carbon atoms. Very amazing. Another amazing thing, precision you see, is that the gravitational force and the electromagnetic force are in such balance that we can have stars. Think about our sun. The gravitational force balances the electromagnetic force. So the gravitational force keeps everything, keeps, it holds the star together. 
the electromagnetic force isn't just right for it to emanate energy, light, heat, and we have the star. And like this, you've got millions of stars that are held together so perfectly. Could, it all, could all this have happened by accident? Mathematician Roger Penrose says, the probability of this observed universe occurring by chance is one in 10 raised to 300. In other words, forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. Six times. This can't happen. It's so precise. And just to emphasize a little bit more on the problems with the Big Bang hypothesis, there are scientific problems, and I'll just mention four of the scientific problems. Don't worry, we're coming to a close. So. There are missing monopoles. So according to the Big Bang theory, when there is this huge explosion of energy, particle physics will claim that these high temperature conditions that were supposed to have taken place in the Big Bang would have given rise to magnetic particles known as monopoles. Now, we are all familiar with magnets, which are bipolar, north and south. But because of what would have happened or is, is hypothesized to have happened during the Big Bang, those high temperatures, we should have had magnetic monopoles, and they would be stable. But till today, none of these particles have been seen in our universe. Similarly, because of the Big Bang, whenever energy, and this is proved in the lab, whenever energy is converted to matter, there's always what is known as antimatter that's created. Antimatter is just the opposite of the matter. So if you have a, a hydrogen particle that's created, a hydrogen atom that's created, you will also have an antihydrogen created whenever energy is created to matter. So in the Big Bang hypothesis, when energy has converted to matter, you should have equal amounts of antimatter for all the matter that was created. Until today, we only see trace amounts of antimatter, not the kind that we are supposed to have had if there really was a Big Bang. A third scientific problem are the absence of what we refer to as the population three stars. What we said in the very beginning was initially subatomic particles, electrons, neutrons, protons were formed. These later came together to form atoms, and these atoms later came together to form stars, population three stars, the original stars. And the original atoms that were created were hydrogen, helium, and traces of lithium. So these population three stars should have these basic elements only of hydrogen, helium, and lithium. Till today, not a single population three star has been discovered in our universe. And these stars don't die out easily. They are supposed to have last for billions of years. So that's another big problem. And like this, we could go on and enumerate other scientific problems with the Big Bang Theory. The last one I just mentioned is that there is no evidence for cosmic inflation. What, 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 what do we mean by that? What, 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 what has been observed is that in identical parts of this universe, far apart, they are at the same temperature. So how could they be at the same temperature if there was this huge explosion taking place? 
It means that they, you know, so in order to explain that, the, cos the cosmic background radiation, or cosmic microwave background radiation, uh, what, what is referred to as electromagnetic radiation in different parts of this known universe, it's, it's the same. It's also referred to as the horizon problem. But how could that be? How could they be at the same temperature? So one hypothesis or an addition to the hypothesis was that everything was together and there was a cosmic inflation, meaning everything was in thermal equilibrium and in a fraction of a second it all expanded and then suddenly stopped expanding. And so they were all having the same temperature. But the problem is, cosmic inflation has never been proven. It's never been seen, never been observed. And also, there are big questions. What gave rise to the cosmic inflation and what caused the cosmic inflation to stop by itself? Because if there was an inflation, it should have continued, theoretically. So, that explanation doesn't hold. The point is this, many people assume the Big Bang Theory to be right without examining it. But it just remains a theory, one of the many attempts to explain the origin of the universe. It is not testable, repeatable, laboratory science. It's a hypothesis. But let's look at what the Bible says about the heavens. Genesis 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and they shall serve as signs and for seasons for days and years. And they shall serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 14. Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens. The earth and all that is in it. Second Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 6. But who is able to build a house for him since the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him? And who am I that I shall build a house for him except to burn incense before him? Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 6. You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens the heaven of heavens with all their lights, the earth and everything that is on it, the seas and everything that is in them, you give life to all of them.
and the heavenly lights bow down before you. Psalm 8 and verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man you think of him, and a son of man that you're concerned about him. Psalm 19 verse 1 and 2. The heavens tell of the glory of God, and all their expanse declare the works of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Psalm 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their lights. Psalm 97 verse 6. The heavens declare his righteousness. And all the peoples have seen his glory. Psalm 102. Verses 25 and 26. In time of old, you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. All of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will pass away. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Isaiah 40 verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and measured the heavens with a span? And calculated the dust of the earth with a measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. Verse 22 of Isaiah 40. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent. To dwell in. Isaiah 45, verse 12, God says, It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all their lights. Jeremiah 32, 17. O Lord God, Behold, you yourself have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Finally, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10, 12, and 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat 
and the earth and its works will be discovered. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. The heavens, the universe speaks to us about the greatness of our God, our living God, our creator God. Somebody may ask the question, you know, why is the universe so big, it's so vast? Why did God create such a big universe? And our reason, our response would be, well, it just reflects a little bit of his infiniteness. Our God is infinite. He's bigger than this universe. And he's just letting us know how big he is. Somebody may say, well, you know, the stars are so old. and How could you say the universe is only 6,000 years old? Well, we said this before. God created everything in an advanced stage. He's created this whole universe in an advanced stage. We hypothesize and we try to estimate the age of the stars. It's not a precise science. It's an approximation that God created everything in an advanced stage. How could this universe, which is so big, have just expanded in 6,000 years? I wouldn't even say 6,000 years. God did it in an instant. He said, I stretch out this universe like a curtain. With his hands and he ordained all the lights, he did it in an instant. He didn't need billions of years. Somebody may ask, why is the universe still expanding? Why is it growing, growing, growing? I think it's happening to let us know that our God is the self-existent, self-sustaining God. He doesn't depend on anybody else for energy. And he's saying, look at my creation. It's talking something about me, about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Amen. Worship team, please come. So you and I have a choice. We can believe in a hypothesis or a theory which hasn't even been proven and has many gaps in it. Or we can let the glory of God be revealed to us in His creation and say, I believe none of this could have happened by accident. It's too orderly. It's too precise to have just come together. Next Sunday, we'll talk about evidence for Creator God. 
One of the things we want to emphasize is that the Bible talks about a personal God. He's not a God who just created everything and put you there and say, go figure out what to do. But he knows you. The Bible says the very hairs on our head are all numbered. God knows it. If he calls every star by name, he knows you by name. That's how great he is. And the Bible tells us that we find our purpose as we come to know this God in a very personal way. God is a personal God. He is creator God, but he's a personal God. He wants to be intimately involved in your life and mine. And the beautiful thing is the Bible tells us that through Jesus Christ, we can come into a personal relationship with God. But we, we, we can know Him as Abba Father. He's this great creator God, infinite in His power, in His knowledge, in His existence. And yet He's a very personal God. That you and I, we can know Him personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so today, if there's anybody here in, in this auditorium or those watching online, if you are not sure that you are in a personal relationship with God, the Bible tells us what to do. The Bible says, everyone who received Him, Jesus Christ, to them He gives the power to become children of God. What an amazing thing. If you receive Jesus into your life, He brings you into this personal relationship with God. And the reason Jesus can do that, because He dealt with our sin on the cross. He died for our sins on the cross so that God could forgive our sins and welcome us into His family. If there's anyone here, You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, come in to my life and make me a child of God. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer before we rise to our feet and sing. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And if there's anyone in this auditorium and who are watching online, if you've never received Jesus into your life and, and come into a personal relationship with God, you can pray this prayer with me. Ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive your sin and make you a child of God. And it will happen right now. The same God who created this vast universe, the same God who in an instant stretched out this huge universe, the same God whose word brought all these lights, these stars into existence, the same God will come into your life and make you a brand new person. And he will journey with you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If there's anyone in this auditorium or watching online, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, I'm going to ask you, invite you to please pray this prayer with me. If you'd like to do that this morning, just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I ask you to come into my life. 
Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. And bring me into a personal relationship with God. Come in to my life, Lord Jesus. And help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is anybody here, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to, you know, it's an exciting moment to let Jesus come into your life and to come into the family of God and become a son or a daughter of God. It's a great thing. So we want to celebrate with you. If you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time right now, I want to see your hands. So if you don't mind, can you just raise your hand wherever you are? Anybody in this auditorium, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Just wave your hand at me. Anyone here? You did this for the very first time. Don't feel shy. Anybody? Just raise your hand. Anyone? No. Okay, if you did, okay, I don't see your hand. I don't see any hand going up. But if you did, if you prayed that prayer with me, and you just tried to raise your hand, very important thing. On your way out, our ushers are standing there with a bag in their hand. It's called New Believers Bag. And there's a little card that says Decision Card. If you pray that prayer with me for the very first time today, Please make sure you get that back. They will be standing at the exits. Just go to them quietly and say, hey, I pray that prayer. I, gave, I received Jesus into my life today. And they will give you this bag. They'll take your name and your number on that decision card so that somebody can call you and tell you how to use the resources in that bag. So please do that. Don't feel shy. Don't feel ashamed. If you receive Jesus into your heart this morning, make sure you get that bag before you leave. Let's rise to our feet, please. We're going to take a few moments just to worship Jesus, the mighty God, the creator God, how great he is, how powerful he is. And I want you to just worship him. We are created beings. We cannot even grasp our infinite creator, so big, so powerful. Let's take a moment to worship him. Before we dismiss, please. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every fear and anxiety to every soul and captive by depression. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak.
take a moment just to pray for people who need healing. Now you may have come here this morning and you may need some healing in your body. Maybe it's your mind, your emotions that have been affected and hurt and I'm just going to pray. You know, we sang about the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. There's healing in that name. There's power in that name. I'm going to request you just to, if you need healing, just to place your hand on your own body, wherever you want the Lord to touch and heal. If you can do that, just place your hand. I'm just going to speak from here. Lord, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, we command sicknesses and diseases to be broken. We command people to be healed in their bodies. And God, even problems with their internal organs, with their, with their kidneys or with their liver or anything else inside God. But doctors have said, you know, this is your problem. As they lay hands on their own bodies, in the name of Jesus, let miracles take place. Let there be healing right now. In the name of Jesus, in those internal organs, let the power of God come, let the power of God touch, let the power of God heal. In the name of Jesus, let every sickness be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, let there be healing for their minds, their emotions. Let there be peace where there has been turmoil and confusion and pain. Let there be peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for doing this. We thank you that as we speak the name of Jesus, healing is released. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, as we pray, I know it seems very simple, but the name of Jesus is powerful. And if you experience healing, take a moment to send us a testimony. Send it to testimony at apcwo.org. Those of you watching online, if a miracle has taken place, you go home, you check, you know God has touched you, send us a testimony. We'll be happy to share that uh, with others. Just want to remind you, next Sunday, we're going to talk about Creator God, the evidence for Creator God. We look at it from a philosophical point of view, a scientific, and also a theological point of view. So I want to, want to encourage you to use that opportunity to invite your friends and say, hey, just come, just come to church. We're talking about faith and science. And we're going to talk about Creator God. I want to encourage you, just bring your friends, and we don't know how God might impact them. The last sermon in this series, which is on October 2nd, we'll be talking about origin of the species. We'll be talking about this whole the evolutionary biology, what they say of how life came to be, and then we will look at what the Bible res Bible's response to that is. So that'll be the last message in this series. Use this as an opportunity to invite people. Let them come, let them hear, and let them make up their minds. 
of what, whom they want to follow, what they want to do. Amen? So do that. We may, be have, we may have printed invites at the back. I'm not sure. Uh, if there are printed invites, you can take these. It just says faith and science. I use those printed invites. Just pass it on to friends and say, hey, you might, you might be interested. Join us. So you can pick up those invites on your way out. Uh, take them with you if you want to invite friends. Amen. So we're going to close. We'll pronounce the benediction. Our pastors will be here. Our pastors just come. Life group leaders, please come. We'll be available to pray with you and minister to you personally if you need personal prayer once we close. Let's pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.